Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see you in the house of God tonight on a warm winter evening. This is cold for Georgia, isn't it? But, but we're here in the presence of the Lord. How many are glad you came, even though it's cold outside and, and it's that time of year where it's getting dark early and all of those things, or at least it feels like it's getting dark early, but we're in the presence of the Lord. Amen. No better place to be than right here. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 9. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 9. Uh, we're correcting an ongoing uh, issue with our screens tonight, so I hope you came with your Bible so that you can look at a few scriptures with me. Matthew chapter 2 and 9. And it's an unfamiliar sound in the age that we live in for me to hear all these pages rustling. I kind of like it. It feels good. Moving the paper tonight. Matthew 2 and 9. If you have that, just kind of wave your hand at me so I know that we're okay. All right. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Everyone said joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh. And of course, this is the familiar story of the wise men who came from the east to bring gifts and to worship at the feet of the newborn king, the baby Jesus. And so I'd like to teach tonight about joy. And I'm calling it uh, a lesson about joy, but uh, really what I'd like to talk to us about tonight is the difference between joy and happiness. The difference between joy and happiness. Because the difference makes the difference. And we need to understand it. Let's put our Bibles down and lift up our hands and ask the Lord to help us for a few moments tonight. God, we love you. I thank you, Lord, for people who have made their way to your house on a cold night in the middle of the week in the busy time of year. And God, I pray that you administer to our hearts in this few brief moments we have together. We worship you, we praise you, and we honor you, God. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Everyone said, joy, joy. There's a formula for joy that we see in this text that we read tonight. And the formula is very simple if we simply do what the wise men did. The wise men were able to see the signs that were happening around them, and they were able to recognize that something prophetic was happening in the atmosphere. They didn't understand everything, but they knew a king was about to be born, and they knew there was a star that needed to be followed. And so the wise men 
made a decision. We are going to follow the star. We don't know where it's going to take us. We don't know exactly what we're going to see when we get there. We don't know what dangers might befall us on the journey. All we know is that the heavens have given us a sign, and we're going to follow this sign to the king. And the first step on the journey to joy is to be willing to follow the signs. We need to be willing to follow the word of God. We need to be willing to follow the preaching of the word. And we need to be able to follow those who have followed before us. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The ability to be a follower is the first step in the journey to joy. Now, I know that you know, we live in, in a world that praises leadership. And leadership is a wonderful thing. There are many leaders in this room right now. I'm speaking to leaders right now. But before you can be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. Before you can be mightily used of God, you're going to have to be a follower first. Paul also said we're called to be saints first. Before you can be a spiritual leader, you have to be a spiritual follower. And that is the first step in the journey to joy. The second thing the wise men did is they understood what it meant to have joy. They had joy in their heart. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They understood the significance of what it means to rejoice and demonstrate that joy outwardly when they saw the moving of God in the heavens. And I want to remind someone at the Christmas season that it is still right for apostolics to rejoice in the presence of God. We clap our hands because we are filled with exceeding great joy. We shout because we have exceeding great joy. We dance before the Lord because we have exceeding great joy. Does anybody know what it means to have joy unspeakable and full of glory? The kind of joy that just overflows from your heart and it passes through your lips. And before you know what happened, you're just saying, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Sometimes it just takes an expression of the heart for joy to take hold of our lives. If you will express joy at the moving of God, your life will be full of joy. If you refuse to express joy in the presence of God, eventually you will be drained of joy in your own heart and in your own spirit. One of the ways that we obtain true joy is to lift up praises when we don't feel like lifting up praises. One of the ways we grab a hold of joy unspeakable is when we worship when we don't feel like worshiping. Sometimes all you see is a star and you can't see Jesus yet. But you ought to rejoice with exceeding great joy because you see a sign. Sometimes all you have is a promise of a miracle, but you haven't yet seen the miracle. You ought to go ahead and rejoice with exceeding great joy. 
Sometimes all you have is just a dream in your spirit like Joseph with no idea how God could ever bring that dream to pass. But if you have a dream that is like a star shining in the sky, go ahead and rejoice with exceeding great joy. The wise men rejoiced before they had ever met Jesus. The wise men rejoiced before they had ever seen his face, but they had a sign. We have got to understand that it is exceeding great joy and rejoicing that will lead us to Jesus. See, some people are going to wait until they get to Jesus before they're going to rejoice about anything. Some people have an attitude that uh, when I get the miracle, well, then I'll rejoice. It doesn't work that way. If you want to get to the miracle, you're going to have to do some rejoicing along the way. If you want to bow down at the feet of Jesus, you're going to have to do some rejoicing while you're following a star. Hallelujah. And so they followed and they rejoiced. And then the Bible says that when they finally came face to face with Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they worshiped him. Worship is different than rejoicing because, you know, you can have praise. Everybody understand the difference between praise and worship. Praise is something that we do externally. We clap our hands. We shout. We dance. All of that is wonderful. Uh, we praise uh, with a loud voice. Uh, we give thanksgiving. We thank God for all he's done. Anybody feel like thanking God for what he's done for you? That's a praise. Sometimes we, the song, it's been on my mind today. I've got to thank you on my lips. Sometimes it's just you go through your day and you have that praise. But praise and worship are subtly different because, you know, you can praise a person. Yeah. Look at the person beside you and say, you look nice tonight. Well, you just praise them. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm so thankful you're in my life. I'm so thankful. That's a praise. You can praise a person. You can praise a lot of things. But worship is different than praise. Because worship is something in your heart that says, I've got to bow down because I'm in the presence of a king. It's more than just gratitude. It is all in the presence of God. The wise men were rejoicing before they ever met Jesus. But when they came into contact with Jesus, they couldn't stay on their feet. They got down and they began to worship him because they realized this is more than just a human king. God is doing something in this world. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And when you have awe, when you have reverence in your heart, when you have respect in your spirit, it takes you past praise and it takes you into worship. And, and I, I'm just going to tell you, I preach a lot about praise because I believe we have to have praise. And the reason I preach about praise is not just because we ought to shout and we should. It's not just because we ought to dance and we should. We need to do all of those things. But praise ought to take you to worship. I'm going to say that again. Praise ought to take you to worship. Now, let me give you a human example. You could look at someone and say, I love you and I appreciate you. And I'm so thankful that you're in my life, like some of you just did. 
And that's a wonderful thing to say and do. And that is praise. But praise is hollow if you never act on that praise. If you say that you appreciate someone with your lips, but you never show them with your lifestyle, they're not going to care what you said to them. Hello? You ever have someone who, uh, who you worked really hard for, a boss maybe, you worked really, really hard, and they say, all the time, I appreciate you, I appreciate you, you're doing such a good job. And, but imagine if you worked there for 30 years and you never got one raise or one bonus. You'd wonder if they really did appreciate you, wouldn't you? You'd wonder if they, if they really did care about you. There'd be something in your spirit. And so when it comes to God, Praise needs to take us beyond just what we're saying with our lips. And I, I think we need to get back to the kind of church services where every once in a while we get down on our knees and we say, Lord, I am so honored to be in your presence. God, I want to serve you with holiness. God, I want to surrender my life to you. God, I'm not going to leave here the way I came because you're holy. I'm not going to go back to what I used to be because you're holy. That's worship. Worship is your lifestyle. Worship is an expression of your relationship with God that goes beyond what you say. You need to say it, but you need to live it at the same time. Someone ought to say praise the Lord. I said we've got to go beyond saying it and we've got to live it. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. If you love God, you'll serve him with your whole heart. If you love God, you're going to be faithful to the things of God. Yes. That's what, that's what praise takes us to. Rejoicing takes us to worship. And worship, now here's where I'm going to lose everybody. Y'all ready? Smile real big. Smile real big. Worship will take you to giving. Uh-oh. Worship will take you to giving. The wise men, they rejoiced. They followed, they rejoiced, they worshiped, and then after they had done all of those things, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave him their best offerings. They gave him something that was precious to them from where they came from. They gave him something that mattered to them. These were not Trivial gifts, these were not small gifts. These were, these were thoughtful, and these were gifts that were sacrificial, and they presented them to Jesus. When you give, you will receive joy into your life. The Bible says, give, and it shall be given. If you want to receive, you must first be a giver. If you want blessings, you must be a blessing. If you want honor, you must give honor. If you want the touch of God in your life, you're going to have to give in the presence of God and to the things of God. This is the formula for joy. Many people are comfortable with the rejoicing and the shouting and the dancing. And they even are comfortable sometimes with worship. But giving is where many people fall short. But I want you to know that being a giver 
even though it seems as if it would not be the case, in our flesh, the idea that giving would be something that brings joy into my life is hard for the carnal mind to understand. It's okay to say amen. I'm saying amen with you. It's hard for the carnal mind to understand how I can give and receive joy. But it is the economy of God where God blesses the giver. And when we give, we receive the favor of God into our lives. How many want to be a giver and not just a taker? I want to be a giver and not just a taker. Now, I'm, of course, talking about finances. Uh, I think we should give of our finances. But beyond giving of our finances, I believe that we should give of our talents. I believe that we should give of our time. I believe that we should give of our energy. And all of those things should be surrendered to God. I think as we approach a new year, it would be wise for us, each and every one of us, to look at our lives and to look at our relationship with God and ask ourselves in each of those areas that I just mentioned, are we giving everything that we can truly give and everything that God requires of us to give? Now, we know financially 10% is the tithe that belongs to God. It's not ours. Amen. I know you thought this was a, just a Christmas sermon, and now I hijacked you with tithes and offerings. Now, we know that 10% is, is God's. It's not ours. And so we give, that, we give that naturally. That's what God requires of us. If we keep the 10%, we are robbing God. Now, offerings are above and beyond tithes. God doesn't tell us how much to give of offerings. You can give... Uh, any percentage. The Bible teaches us that we give of offerings according uh, to uh, our, our desire, according to our blessing, and according to how God moves on our hearts to do so. And so we are required to give offerings. We don't know how much to give exactly. But if we are not prayerfully asking God on a regular basis, Lord, what can I give above and beyond my 10%, then we are not fulfilling the expectation expectation of God in our lives. He requires us to do so. Now, I move past that because we just, I lost everybody. So let me say this. Beyond your tithes and your offerings, you should be examining your life and saying, Lord, what would you have me to give for your kingdom regarding my time and my energy? You know, we don't mention this as often as we should, but Sister Pope was up here Sunday morning, and, and uh, I always enjoy when the kids receive their, uh, their promotions, and, uh, and we're giving the promotions, and every time she steps up here, every time we have a leadership meeting, Sister Pope is faithful to mention how we need Sunday school teachers, people who will dedicate themselves to teaching the Word of God to children. It's a time sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of energy. It means that you might have to be here early. It means you might have to get up an hour earlier on Sunday morning. It means you might have to come in uh, a few times a month and work on a classroom. It means you might have to pray a little extra for uh, children that are not yours or grandchildren that are not yours. It means you're going to have to put some energy into something that perhaps will drain you a little bit. But it is a ministry and it's worth it. And many people 
look at things like that and they refuse to do it because they're holding, they're withholding their time from God. And I could point to many ministries like that. And I want to challenge us going into a new year. God wants more than just our money. He wants our time. He wants people who will be willing to say, I'm going to sacrifice. Yeah, I'm going to work in the kingdom of God. I'm going to give of myself, my time, my talents. Someone said my talents, my energies. God, I believe this with all of my heart. God has given every single person in this room a talent that he desires to use. Amen? <laughs> Some of you don't even believe that. You know, when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, Gideon was terrified. He was threshing wheat, hiding in a cave. He was threshing his father's wheat, terrified of the Midianites because the Midianites would come down once a year and they would take all of the increase from the Israelites. And so Gideon was fearful of this. And the angel appeared to him and said, Thou mighty man of valor. Thou mighty man of valor. Now Gideon did not consider himself a mighty man of valor. So he's looking and wondering, where is this coming from? Why is he saying this to me? And it's because God views us differently than we view ourselves sometimes. God sees our potential that even we don't see. Does that mean you're going to sing? Does it mean you're going to preach? Not necessarily, maybe. But it does mean that God has something for you to do that is vital to his kingdom. Does anybody believe God has a work for each and every one of us to do to be a part of the kingdom of God? And we need to search that and find that. All right, we're going to look quickly at uh, the next. Let's see. They got this up here. Where are they? Let's go to the next slide, brethren, if we can. And next one after that, I was just going. All right. Why don't we give the sound men a hand clap and of appreciation? They're working hard up there trying to get this going. All right. I want to talk about the difference between happiness and joy because we've been talking about how to get joy, how to get there. Uh, some of you still don't believe that giving produces joy, but it does. But let's talk about the difference between happiness and joy. The opposite of joy is fear, not sadness. The opposite of happiness is sadness. You can be joyful and have sorrow in your life at the same time. Yes, you can. You can have the joy of the Lord even when a doctor is telling you that you have cancer. You can have the joy of the Lord in very difficult and painful times. We have happiness because of our situation, but we have joy in spite of our situation. We have happiness because of our situation. We have joy in spite of our situation. So joy is something that you have in the good times and in the bad times. Happiness is a fleeting feeling that you only have when everything is a particular way. How many here are adult enough to know that it is very rare that everything is exactly the way that we want it to be at any given time? In fact, if you study the word of God, God never once promised happiness to his people. He promised joy, but he never promised happiness. 
Does that mean we're never happy? Absolutely not. We are happy. But we also know scripture teaches the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And so righteous people have difficulties that come into their lives just like unrighteous people have difficulties that come into their lives. The difference is a righteous person can have the joy of the Lord. An unrighteous person cannot have the joy of the Lord. Amen. I said a righteous person can have the joy of the Lord even when they're not happy. But an unrighteous person cannot taste of the joy that flows from the fountain of heaven. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Everyone said joy. It's love, joy, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Once you've received joy, the world cannot take it away. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a work that God literally does inside of your heart and inside of your life. It is God who can produce joy in your spirit. And so if you are walking with God, if you are full of the Spirit, if you are depending on the Lord, He will give you joy that cannot come from any other place in this world. It literally is a miracle that comes from God. You say, how can, how can a righteous person walk through all that they're going through? How can they come through that and, and still be kind and still be gentle and still be long-suffering and still have faith and still have peace and still have all the other fruits of the Spirit? They can do that because the Spirit gave them joy. Why is it unspeakable? It's unspeakable because we can't describe it. We can't explain it. No words can express it because it comes from God. This joy that I have, the world didn't give and the world can't take it away because God put it in my heart and you cannot have my joy. People can't take my joy. I've had people say, well, they took my joy. They took your happiness. They didn't take your joy. And if they took your joy, you didn't have real joy in the first place. You thought happiness was joy. You were confusing the two. And you need to get in an altar until the fruit of the Spirit grows in your life and you have joy. Because joy is something that people can't take from you. Joy is something that an event in your life can't take from you. A bad report can't take joy from you. It can take happiness, but not joy. Everyone said amen. All right. Now, our joy, next slide. Our joy is directly linked with his joy. And we're going to look at John 15, 11 to understand that. This is Jesus speaking. He said, these things have I spoken unto you. Look at that carefully, that my joy. Are we able, are we able to go to the next slide, Brother Jinx, or we? Brother Stan, I think there's a ring, uh, maybe a little reverb ring or something in this microphone. John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Do you see there that Jesus is saying that my joy will be inside of you and when I give you my joy, then your joy will remain full. That's what we mean when we say the joy of the Lord is my strength. He puts his joy inside of us. And because we have his spirit. Now, we're going to go to the next slide. I'm going to close with this. The reason that is, and here we go into a little apostolic doctrine here, that joy 
that is his comes through his word and it comes through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. How many are glad you have the Holy Ghost here tonight? How many could testify that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you might would have described it as being happy? Anyone could testify by raising your hand? When you received the Holy Ghost, there was like a happiness that you couldn't explain. We used to sing that song, I was happy when I spoke in tongues. I was happy when the Holy Ghost came. And that's true. We were happy. But that, that feeling of happiness was more than just happiness. It was the joy of the Lord. His joy, we used to say it this way, his joy flooded my soul. Anyone ever heard that expression before? It's like, anyone ever heard it described? It was like a warmth. Did anyone feel a warmth when the Holy Ghost came on you? It was just a, it's like the warmth of the Holy Ghost. Uh, when I first received the Holy Ghost, it was almost like someone poured hot oil on the top of my head. And I could feel that warm oil just flow from my head. And it just slowly went down my body until it touched my feet. I couldn't explain it. And I felt a, a happiness that was unlike anything that I had ever felt before. And that was the joy of the Lord. It comes and is directly linked to the moving of the Holy Ghost and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Acts 13 and 52 says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. If you need joy in your life and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need to seek the Holy Ghost because it is the Holy Ghost that will fill you with joy. Romans 14 and 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But righteousness and peace and joy, where? In the Holy Ghost. Romans 15 and 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Anybody glad you have the Holy Ghost tonight? The Holy Ghost will bring joy. It produces joy. Stand with me. I'm closing. You know... We're in the, the time of year where many people are thinking about loved ones that they've lost and things that they've lost. And it's, it's strange how the holidays do that. It's a happy time, but it's also a time where we reflect and we remember things. And sometimes memories can bring sorrow. Sometimes they can. And sometimes in the holidays, we can slip away from faithfulness to the house of God and we're distracted and uh, I know for me one of the things I go through is, since I've lived in Atlanta <laughs> is around the holiday times the traffic just gets worse anybody know what I'm talking about it's like drives that used to just be no big deal it's uh, I live in uh, in Hampton almost kind of right on the edge of Clayton and Henry County and uh, so the exit that I wind up going to a lot is the Jonesboro Road exit. And, 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 but I take back roads. And usually I can do that. And I, maybe I see one car and I wave at him and praise God. We're just living life. Thank the Lord. And then this time of year, I pull out of my subdivision and there's a line of cars backed up just all the way back to my, my street. And I, and I have to pray through. <laughs> Lord, touch us. Just at the holidays, it's just getting around, and, and God forbid you go to Walmart, touch us, Lord, heal us. 
The only good thing about Walmart and the holidays is they do the Bluebell holiday flavors. You start getting the hot chocolate Bluebell and the peppermint Bluebell. Oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have an altar call in a moment here. Start getting the good stuff, and then they get the the pralines and cream Bluebell, and oh hallelujah, Christmas cookie Bluebell. You're welcome. I'm being a blessing to you. Go find it. But you have to wrestle people to get to it. One time last Christmas, I was at Walmart and looking for some Christmas bluebell, and, and uh, I was walking up, and there was a lady, and she was reaching into the freezer, and she grabbed the very last peppermint bluebell. Y'all, I just can't explain the pain. It was painful. I even asked her if that's really the one she wanted, and <laughs> she was very sure of herself. And it's just that time of year, things get hectic. We're thinking about family and many travel and buying gifts and all the things we do at, at the holiday time that we can, we can, if we're not careful, we can be drained of joy. And what we really mean as an apostolic, when we say that we're drained of joy, it means that our Holy Ghost is running a little low. Maybe our prayer life has been neglected. Maybe our attendance to the house of God has been neglected. Maybe our giving has been neglected because we're so busy giving above and beyond to family and friends that we are not giving to Jesus like we should. Many things that happen at the holidays that rob us of joy and of, and of the moving of the Spirit in our lives. But I came to remind someone tonight that if we really want to keep Jesus first, we need to keep ourselves full of the Spirit, even in December. Can we lift up our hands and ask the Lord to fill us with His Spirit over and over again? God, I pray that we'd walk in the Spirit this Christmas season. I pray that we'd walk in Your joy joy that only you can give. I pray that we would not be depending on carnal happiness alone, on fleshly happiness alone, but God, that we would have a spiritual joy that comes from your Holy Spirit. Fill us up to the top, Lord. Fill us up to overflowing, I pray. Let us be so full of the joy of the Holy Ghost that God, that we can share that joy with others, that we can touch someone else with joy, that Someone else can experience your spirit just by being in conversation with us, Lord. Just by being in the same room with us that our joy would be contagious. That our joy would be profound and precious. We give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you all. Turn to three or four people and tell them. I appreciate you, and I'm telling you the truth. If you don't feel like telling them that, tell them, I'm glad you're here.